Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, Newcastle! Welcome to The Stand. Please welcome a man who can't believe he's in the home of the person who invented the windscreen wiper. Is Richard Herring! Oh, it's so lovely to be here. Thank you very much. This is just one of my favourite venues, one of my favourite cities. Lovely to, to, to be here. Uh, thank you for so much for, for coming along. Welcome to uh, Richard Herring's Liquefying Sunderland Tossers podcast. It's been, I think we can all agree. That's everyone in Sunderland, so that is, we can all agree. That anyone from Sunderland in? Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't. Shouldn't have admitted to that. You're the first one who's going to be liquefied. Liquefied. <laughs> liquefied. Um, good. Uh, though I was, I was on the Vera tour of Newcastle uh, today. You know, they do, a, they do a tour of the TV show Vera, the, uh, the very popular... Cost £38 to go and see the places where Vera was filmed. You know, everyone, there's a lot of fans. It's sort of the Game of Thrones of Newcastle, isn't it? It's... Uh, <laughs> 
getting a lot of tourists in from. I've never seen Vera. It was I was lost on me, but um, it's nice to see some locations. Uh, and a woman dressed as Brenda Brethen said she called it Rahulastapa. So I don't know if that's kind of. Okay. It's always lovely to be uh, in Newcastle, a city where people not only think they can own fog, uh, but <laughs> seem proud of that. I don't, I don't know. It's, um, what are you going to do with all the fog? That's it's fog, you fucking idiots. It's all mine. I'm oh. <laughs> uh, Yeah, and the invention of the windscreen wiper was uh, was. Uh, from, from Newcastle. He was a guy who t- took photos of Newcastle United football team in 1908. Do you know this about your, your, your city? I want to... Yeah, you're saying, oh, I'm going to teach you some stuff today if I, can, if I can get it up on my phone because I forgot to do that earlier. There we go. There we go. Um, it was Gladstone Adams. Uh, he's the official photographer of Newcastle United Football Club. He drove to London in 1908 to photograph the FA Cup final. No one had cars then. They put his car in a showroom window in London... So people go and look at it. Uh, it sounds like it was made up. On his drive back to Newcastle in the snow, he had to stop several times to clear his windscreen. It was then he came up with the idea for the windscreen wiper. Though he filed, filed for a patent for the, his version of the windscreen wiper, it was never manufactured. Uh, American inventor Mary Anderson beat him to the punch. Uh, so well done. That's, you invented the windscreen wiper but never made it. So, you know, that is, that's good. That's well done. Um, Newcastle ranks 15th in the UK city most visited by overseas visitors. I wouldn't bother putting that on your website if I was you. That's, uh, what, 15th? Uh, the first Greggs opened in Gosforth, but, but with Ian Greggs, and it genuinely was. Uh, it was genuinely was. Um, I've got so many facts for you. Uh, the Whisper was first introduced uh, in Newcastle. Did you know that? It was the whole of the northeast. I remember my first whisper, my grand... This is one of my favourite childhood memories, and it was also in Middlesbrough, and my granddad gave me a whisper, and he got, and I said, he said, what? I said, what's this? And he said, haven't you seen the whisper? They're all over the place. And I hadn't, because I was from Somerset, so it was very exciting. To... That's my main memory of my granddad, so thank you to that whisper. Um, you can, you, and, uh, the North East has the greatest variety of ginger hair in the world. There are 47 shades uh, around the Tyne. That is, uh, in the area around the Tyne, 47 shades of ginger, which I think that's got to be a Edinburgh show, right? <laughs> Someone's just got to fuck some... I'm going to do it. Someone's just got to fuck every single shade of ginger. 47 shades of ginger. <laughs> uh, look, it's lovely to be here, and we've got a fantastic guest for you uh, this week. It's lovely to be here on a Sunday afternoon in Newcastle. Perfect time to podcast. It may be the perfect time to podcast. Uh, she's probably best known as Date Girl 3 in Jerk. That's why we're here. We're going to talk about that for 90 minutes. Will you please welcome the incredible Lauren Passon, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Wonderful Lauren Passon. Hello. Come on in. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? Good. I'm good too. Lovely to see you. Thank Date you so girl much for three. coming. In. Um, that was traumatizing. Date girl three. Yeah. What did you have to do? I turned up for filming right, and my whole character was it was so it was Tim Renko's sitcom. It was this sort of scene where he goes on like speed dates with different girls, and obviously they all sort of brush him off because he's disabled. Yeah. But the joke with me was he brushed me off because I was like oh. awful. Oh. Um, and I sat down in the makeup chair, and the girl went, "Obviously, you're not meant to be attractive, so we're just not really going to do anything with you." <laughs> 
And I was like 23 at the time and quite self-conscious. And I was like, okay, thank you. Yeah, I'll just wow. go sit in the ugly corner. But yeah. Oh, well, I'm sorry to have brought it up and uh, reignite those. It's all right. I think about it nightly anyway. <laughs> That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, look, you've, well, last, we, you've been on it. You've been on the Edinburgh podcast and you, we did a remote record yes. podcast. Where I mean, it's very sad now. I've got to the age where um, you know I feel like quite fatherly towards you, which is a very big shame for me as a as a human being. It's good as a human being, but it also makes me feel sad for myself. Like look at that, oh little Lauren. Um, you were going through quite a tough time uh, I was. back in 2020, 2021. Quite tough. So it yeah. was. I'd moved back temporarily to Newcastle, which became permanent quite quickly. My father had broken up with me on April Fool's Day, which was not a prank, although I did think it was for arguably too long. (laughs) Um, um, And then, yeah, obviously lost all the comedy. So I was working at Morrison's. I remember being buzzing doing the one um, on on Zoom with you. I was like, look, I've got a high vis. And I was just very excited to have any form of responsibility. And then I came (laughs) off the Zoom with you and the removal van had arrived. My ex had sent all my possessions back up in a van. And I came downstairs just to everything in the living room and my mum going, I'm checking everything to see if he's broke anything. And I was like, okay, (laughs) thanks. And the most petty thing was he'd sent back our shared calendar that was on the wall, which was full of plans that were no longer happening. Wow. (laughs) I was like, thank you for sending me a reminder of all the work I have lost. (laughs) Thank you. It would have been petty for him to take every other month. (laughs) 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 But that's what I'd have done. Uh, I mean, he he sounds like a dick, I have to say. I've heard you talking about about this breakup, and it does sound, uh, unless you're really awful, which you don't seem to be... Uh, Probably. No. Depends how hungry I am, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, it, but it's good that, you've, that it, if it wasn't going to work, it's good that it's, yeah. that it's over. Everything and, happens for a reason. That's I, what I think. It, I don't agree, but uh, it's, <laughs> in hindsight, it appears It doesn't like have that. to be a good reason, <laughs> but everything does happen for a reason. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's cruel to break up with a comedian on April Fool's Day. That is, no. I mean, it's our day as well. It's our and special the, day. And the Edinburgh Fringe had officially been cancelled that day as well, <laughs> oh, and I was like, I don't know which I'm sad about. <laughs> <laughs> because you've been working towards that, you know, so you'd, you'd done some previews already for yeah, that Edinburgh. And then I got... took 2019 off, so I could, and I tried to get like ahead of the curve, and I started like writing the show at the end of 2019, started previewing it in like February. And I remember my agent being like, This is going to be such a big hit, like, this is going to catapult you back into people's attention. And I was like, Yeah, it is. And then it went in the bin two weeks later. <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about that backstage, just going suddenly about Edinburgh accommodation, which I don't think yeah. we. I booked my I booked my Edinburgh accommodation like in about February, and the guy said, "Oh, you can if you pay up front, you can have like ten percent off." And then I woke up the next day and went, "Oh, I wonder if this COVID thing's going to affect that." <laughs> did I make a mistake? Yeah, I did make a mistake. We didn't get didn't get. I think he paid us back a hundred pounds a week for about three weeks, and you know that should be. You'd think that'd be the whole lot, wouldn't you? No, it wasn't. <laughs> No, it was not. Uh, but there we go. So, yeah, it was, it was sad times. But, have you, have you, well, you're living in Newcastle. Yeah. So tell me, what, what's, I mean, you brought, you brought up in Newcastle and living in Newcastle. I what? am, Kenton girl, born yeah. and bred, yeah. What, why, why would you want to uh, live here? <laughs> <laughs> you could live in London. Why I would you, why would you do it? I love it, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And that's the one thing that kind of makes me a bit sad about comedy and I hoped COVID would change it and I feel like it temporarily did but I don't think it has in the long term is the pressure it puts on you to move to London and I'm like yeah. but why? 
Like, why? You're missing out on so many amazing voices and amazing talent with amazing stories who don't want to pay two grand a month to live in a cupboard with rats. Like, <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah, I love it here. Tell me what's great about Newcastle. The people. Yeah. Like, I just think, I think Glasgow, Liverpool and Newcastle are all very similar-minded people. Yeah. And they're like my three favourite places to gig as well. Although I did, when I did my tour show in Liverpool last year, I was running back to get the last train. I could hear the girl in front of us going, well, I didn't enjoy it as much as our last show. And I was like, I'm behind you. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, at least it's just a three-hour train to like cry about that on. Then the train was cancelled. It was a five-hour rail replacement bus. And I was like, at least I have my memories. (laughs) Amazing. But yeah, I just think the people are different. Like, I think you're brought up with a really good sense of humour being from here. Like yeah. I remember my ex who was from London. Um, I took him to meet like my grandma, and I said she's got like a wicked sense of humour. You'll love her. And he went to meet her, and I think it was around the time of her birthday, and she was cracking on. She must have been like ninety one, ninety two. And he was like, "Oh, so like, what are you doing with your DLC?" And she was like, "Oh, nothing. All my friends are dead." And he looked. <laughs> He looked mortified, like he didn't know how to react. And I laughed, and I was like, but that's our sense of humour, and that's yeah. how it... And you could tell he was thinking, oh, I don't know if I can laugh at this. And then she just went, well, if I was a horse, they would have shot his by now. <laughs> and I was like, I love it. I love that sense of humour. Yeah. I just... I'm really... I feel really lucky to have been brought up here. And to have, like, this comedy club as well, The Stand, to start yeah. your career in is really nice. Because when I moved down to London and was doing the open mic scene there, I was like, if I'd started comedy here... I would have some form of mental disorder by now. Yeah. Like, it's just horrible. Whereas I feel like, yeah, people champion you as well. Yeah. Like, there's people who still come see me now. I don't know if anyone has been seeing this since I was 18. I'm 30 in a couple of months. Wow. And there's people who've been coming to see me since I was 18 and they back is and I just... I, it's a city that really gets behind its own people and I think that's so important. Yeah. So important. Well, my family are from Middlesbrough, which is kind of like a <laughs> shit, shitty Newcastle. <laughs> 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 so I do, and I think you know. I wonder as well because it is a herring is a Viking name. I don't know if you know that. So like, and the, that the her- herring only comes really from this region. Really? The, that's where the if you look at the map of the heat map of herrings, the heat map of where, herrings. where Yorkshire and hot North herrings Humble, in your area. <laughs> but <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I wonder because that's because Liverpool's got like you know, it's it's sort of not an English city, and I think Newcastle yeah. is sort of not an English city as well. Even if we're going back a long way, I mean, Liverpool's a more of an Irish city. Yeah. But I wonder if the Viking thing is something to do. Well, with... I remember back in the day, Vigo Venn before yeah. Britain's Got Talent came and did a preview with me in Newcastle, and obviously he's Norwegian, and he was like, "Oh, I love it here. It's so beautiful." I was like, "Thank you for pillaging us. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much." <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that, that Norwegian sense of humor. With high, well, you mentioned high-vis jackets that you're excited about. So. Exactly. There you go. It's just straight in there. I, know, I heard you talking about... I mean, the, the Morrison's job was like... Which yeah. you've not... Are you, have you stopped doing oh, that? Oh, yeah. You're, you're out yeah. There, right? I've you're escaped co-game Morrison's yeah. once and for all. <laughs> but, that, I mean, that must have been... I mean, it sounds like it was great in a lot of ways for you, right? Because, yeah. I mean, you know, as, I'm not saying that COVID was a good thing. But for you, it, it was, a, you know, I think artistically, for, for comedians, it was actually, for a lot of us, it was obviously a nervous time because we it was a break from working. Yeah. But also it was a break from the, the relentless pressure of trying to do the next thing. And I think it sounds like for you, it gave you a chance to kind of regroup. Yeah, and I think as well, I think this is another thing of being from Newcastle. I think I've got a very grafters mentality. 
But I don't think, oh, I've got a graft as mental. That's literally just how I am. So when comedy went tits up on, what, April the 1st, when I literally watched my diary <laughs> empty, um, I remember just thinking, like, well, I have to get a job. Like, it wasn't even a thing. I didn't even, well, obviously I was sad, but to me, I'd lost my job. What do you do when you lose a job? You look for another one. And I talked about it in my show, comedians were like, you're so brave. <laughs> You're so brave. And I was like, no, I just don't have a trust fund. Like, it's not brave. Like, to me, it was just sensible. I was like, I have lost my job. I've had to move back into my parents for the first time in eight years. I'm sure they don't want me there forever. Like, I don't want to be there forever. I don't want to, like, feel in the way. I was like, so if I want to move out, I need to earn money. I need to get a job. And for me, it was just a very logical thing. And comedians were like, eh. He had just couldn't. I was like, I know, because you never have. Like. <laughs> but um, I just, I'd, obviously, I didn't want to work there forever. But you know what? Like, it kept us busy. It was like, it was people to chat to. Yeah. I got material out of it. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I heard you on Stuart Goldsmith's podcast. Yes. The way you were talking about, like, sitting at the till and having a piece of paper, a till yeah. bit written to, to, to write ideas. I used to out a blank on. till receipt and then just write, like, yeah. like ideas down from... I probably had a queue halfway down the shop, but you're like, <laughs> why is this lassie not serving? And I was like, I'm having a moment, actually. <laughs> but it's interesting because I like in the old days, comedians, you know, would have, have done, like, a, a, a career often before yeah. they became comedians. And if you start... I know you, you were working in other jobs as well, but you started at 18, you know, so it's, it's actually to yeah. do something, to, do, to have to do an actual job and not be able to do any comedy. Exactly. It's, a, it's an amazing experience, and I think that really, you know, fires up your creative juices. Right? Yeah, yeah, it really... And as well, I sometimes think you have to lose something to realise how much you... Because there always gets to a point in comedy as well, and I think I was at that point in, like, 2020, where I was like, do I really want to do this? Like, I love it, but I feel like I'm not getting the opportunities I want to get, and how much longer can you bang on the doors until your knuckles just fucking can't take it anymore? And then I got that job, and I just felt this fire in my belly. And the last time I'd had fire in the belly was 2017 when I wrote Lady Muck. Right. That was when I had fire in my belly because I remember I'd walked out of my day job in London because I cried for two hours on my break and couldn't stop crying and couldn't work out how. I realised now it was a breakdown, but I didn't know that then. <laughs> I was just like, why can't I stop crying? So I'd walked out of my day job. I had enough, that was in April. April's a weird month for me. Um, <laughs> God, I'm cursed. I, re- I had enough money to last us till Edinburgh. And I was like, right, I have to have a good Edinburgh and then I can maybe do stand-up full-time, like, properly. If not, I will have to get another job in September and move back to Newcastle, whatever. But I had all this fire in my belly because I was like, it has to work. Yeah. It ha- I have nothing to fall back on. Like, this has to work. And I think that's why that show ended up being so good because I just put everything in it. And I'd not felt that fire since. Obviously, I had passion for comedy, yeah. but I'd not had the fire. But, oh, during that, yeah, I had so much fire in my belly. And I was like, the second I get a chance to get back on stage, I'm going to remind everybody exactly what I can do. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to regret not having this when they could have had this sort of thing. And, um, yeah, I think it went pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. But was it weird? Did you get recognised in the in the supermarket by, like, your your fans of your comedy? A couple of times. Yeah. And it made us feel... Because I, I was very careful when I was working there not to say it was Morrison's, I think. Right. I think. Maybe I did. Um, but I tried to, like, dodge it. But, yeah, someone came in the cafe and I had to wear a horrible little hat that made my head look like a pea. And I was really, like, self-conscious. I was like, God, I'd be date girl number seven now. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't even make it in the restaurant before I got pied off. But I, I felt really, like, horrible in this stupid little pea hat and my hair net. And people were coming in being like, eee, hiya, how you doing? I was like, well, fine till you came in. <laughs> but it, it didn't happen much. I was really grateful when we had to wear masks because then no one could see... My face. 
was like much better. I just used to hide. And was it? I heard something about the, you. You supported. Uh, was it Catherine Ryan? You supported in uh, and, and your workmates. Oh, saw the gig and didn't think it was you. Is that is that right? Yes, yes. That was when I lived in Newcastle. Oh, is it? So I was working. At, it was Byron Burger. It's some weird clothes shop now. I think in the old like Waterstones building. I was working in Byron Burger. Uh, so I would have been like twenty one. This was like when oh, I was saving yeah. to come to London. I opened for Catherine Ryan at Tyne Theatre. And the next day, I'm on the lunchtime shift at work, and this table were like. Staring at us, and I was thinking, "What have I? Have I got like a snot on my face? Like, what's happening?" <laughs> and I was a really good waitress because I needed the tips. I used the tips to fund my comedy career. So, I get, if you've ever been served by me, you know I'm shit hot in my job. <laughs> and I was like, "I'm being really nice to this table. I don't know what the problem is." So, and I was like, "Maybe I'm being too nice. Maybe I step back." And then I went to give them the bill, and they were like, "Tell your sister." She's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) And I was thinking, she's fucking not. (laughs) And I was like, my sister, my sister's a good bit older than me as well. And I was like, that's Shelly, Shelly, they don't know my sister. And I was like, my sister? And I was like, yeah, we saw your sister support Catherine Ryan last night. I was like, no, you didn't. That was me. And they were like, no, she was a comedian. I was like, I was like, I'm a comedian. Like, it was genuinely me. And they stared at it. And obviously, I didn't have, like, my makeup on and stuff. I had my hair and, like, a proper little messy, like, bun and stuff. And they stared at it for a bit. And they were like, oh, my God, it's you. They were like, can we get a picture? And I was thinking, you pick your moments, don't you? <laughs> but I let them take a picture. And, and I remember when I went to get the, the tip tree at the end, they'd left us, like, a tenner tip. And I was right. really... And that was a time, like, say, the tips were funding comedy. And I was so, so grateful for it. And still to this day, I always tip... Reading. Not, I can't really afford to tip well, but I always try and tip as nicely as I can because I think you never know what dreams everyone who's doing those jobs is chasing. Everyone's got a side hustle. Yeah. And I always think maybe maybe whoever is serving me is like sort of grafting at being a band or wants to be a fashion designer. And I always think, now nah, I'm going to help you get help you get your dreams because my customers help me get mine. That's, that's <laughs> nice. I, I, I don't leave them anything so they'll. <laughs> so their careers will. It's competition. Yeah. Don't help them. Yeah. Don't have them let them fail. You've made it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them. Um, so you've been back to Edinburgh since um, since COVID, though. So you've yeah. done another show, and it sounds like an, a really important show for you. And, and yeah, so 2021 was like, the, yeah, the Fringe wasn't happening. But then two weeks before I get a phone call, and they were like, a Fringe, that isn't the Fringe. Like, a very mini Fringe is happening. Very low-key. Monkey Barrel have offered you two nights. Do you want to do it? But bear in mind, it's in two weeks' time. And I was thinking, at this point, I wasn't working in Morrison's, but I was working in a restaurant. I'd gone back working in a restaurant. And I was like, I'm back suddenly in the position where I'm like, am I going to be able to get the time off work to go and do a gig? (laughs) And I thought, no, no, I'm dead. And it was a Friday, Saturday as well. And I was like, I'll I'll just have to get the time off. Like, I'll bloody pretend someone's died if I need to. Like, I've (laughs) run out of grandmas, but someone can, surely. (laughs) And so I, I, I said yes. And again, I was like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying no, fuck it. Like, I've, I'm dying to get back on stage. I said yes. Right, you need a title. I was like, I don't, I don't even know what it's going to be about. Like, <laughs> I've got two weeks to suddenly put this show. I was watching a lot of Love Island, so I was just like, it is what it is. Like, let's just go for it. It is what it is. So that's why I called it that. I jotted down everything that I'd, like, wrote over the lockdown, all the stuff I'd been doing on Zoom gigs and stuff. And then I looked at the show I had been writing. I was like, is there anything I can salvage from there? Because that show was going to be about trying really hard to fit into London while feeling lonely and make my life. I was like, a lot of that isn't relevant anymore. So I had this just like mush of material. And I thought, I'm not even going to try and make it coherent. It's a bloody work in progress. They're paying six quid. Like, whatever. Um, I've took the day off work. <laughs> and um, I just sort of 
threw shit at the wall and saw what stuck. Yeah. And I remember people were really laughing, like proper laughing. And I, that could, that's when the fire started. And I was like, I think, I think I'm onto something. Yeah. I really think I'm onto something here. And I was like, fuck all you other comedians who didn't go get day jobs. <laughs> I've got material, baby. I've got stories and I've got heart and that's what the people want. And I was so excited and I came back and that's when I was like, this is going to be the show I do next year. Um, and I spent like most of the year working on it and I had really, really fire in my belly. And what a lot of people don't know, and I don't know if I should be admitting this because there might be people in the room. I then had a crisis of confidence where I was like, what if, what if it's not going to work for me? And I think it is a thing for working-class comics where you just think, is, is the sun ever going to shine in my favour? It's always that little bit harder. I really, really do stand by that. And I was like, is this the right decision? Like, I've now seen really how fragile this industry can be and people like me are the ones with the most to lose. So I signed up to train to be a teacher. And I said, if Edinburgh goes well, I will not do the course. If Edinburgh doesn't go well... I'm not going to make a thing that it's my last show, but that will be my last show. Right. I'm going to end on the best show I can possibly... I'm going to write the best show I can, so I know I'm going out on a high. I'm not going to do a Hannah Gadsby and be like, it's my last show, because <laughs> like, we've all seen how that goes. Um, so I signed up to do a teacher training course. I was writing the Edinburgh show. I was also doing the pre-stuff to train to be a teacher. Yeah. And then the closer it got, I was getting really upset. I was like, I don't, I don't want to be a teacher. I don't want to be... I picked it because it's the team's the closest thing where I can be a little bit creative and pass some of my passion on for, like, stories and writing. But I was like, I fucking hate kids. I don't want to <laughs> be a teacher. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's quite good to hate kids if you're a teacher because some of them like kids a bit too much. So it's, oh, it's, uh, it's They're set on safer ground. Exactly. And I was getting really... The close at Edinburgh I was getting, I was in, like, tears. And I was like, this just, again, a bit like 2017. It was like I'd gone in a time loop out of 2017. I was like, if this doesn't go well... I am literally walking away from comedy because wow. if it doesn't go well, that's sort of the, the comedy gods telling me this isn't right for you. No matter how hard you try, Lauren, because this is the thing with like the art, isn't it? You can try so hard, but unless someone opens that door and lets you in, it can be really, really fucking hard. And I got the Edinburgh nomination five days before I was meant to start. Right. <laughs> I, was, I was in a voiceover booth doing a voiceover <laughs> for Mecca Bingo, right? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm the voice of the adverts of Mecca Bingo. Okay. Um, and I, the way if I I'd known that, that would have been what I'd introduced oh, you to. I know. <laughs> next time, next time, the way I operate in Edinburgh, I'm like, never tell me which industry I'm in, never tell me if reviewers are in, because I always think it's a bit weird when comedians are like, oh my God, like I've got the Guardian in today, so please come, I need big laughers. I'm like, but now you're, you've got it in your head that the Guardian are in, you're not going to do the same show you did yesterday. Yeah. And to me, I just want to do, the people I care about are the audience. Like that, that's who the show is for. They're the people who paid for a ticket, they're the people who come and support. Reviewers are like a necessary evil, but I'm like, don't tell me that they're in because I'll just get in my head. So I had no idea that the judges were in. I knew they must have been in at some point. Um, I did notice my agent was coming in a lot more, and I was like, oh, she's bloody keen, isn't she? Like, <laughs> she's coming out, got a bloody mega fan over here. And then I've, I didn't even realise it was nominations day. I'd gone back to Newcastle on the Tuesday because the, the last week it took a bit of a dip in sales and stuff because there was like bin strikes, train strikes. Oh, yeah. It took a bit of a dip. So on the Tuesday, I came back to Newcastle. Came back to Newcastle. I brought all of my things because I was like, oh, I think this is going to be a bit of like a shit last week. So I'll bring everything back now. So as soon as my show's finished on Sunday, I can just get on the train and come back. I went back up Newcastle on Wednesday morning and I made a predictions list because I saw on Twitter people were like, it's nominations day, remember, they don't matter. And I was like, yeah, they don't matter. That attitude changed three hours later. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I made a list of who I thought was going to... I do it every year, I did it this year. I had, like, Jordan Gray on there, um, Glenn Moore I thought was going to... And I made my predictions list. I did my show, my show finished at half one. The way it works is you get called usually between 12 and 3, and then it gets announced at 3. And I, it hadn't even crossed my mind. And I went to do this voiceover booth, and I'm sitting in Leaf being like, come play bingo, or whatever I say. <laughs> and then I had no phone signal, and all of a sudden my phone must have got a bit of signal, and my phone's going mad like absolutely mad like congratulations congratulations i was like am i pregnant like what's, <laughs> what's why is everyone congratulating us and i was like surely surely not and then i noticed i had texts off my agent being like where are you why are you answering your phone call me call me i was like am i cancelled like what <laughs> what is happening and then i refreshed twitter and saw i'd been nominated i thought my heart was gonna beat out of my chair when i got nominated for newcomer again i didn't expect it but logically, you know you're in with a chance. Yeah. There's like, what, 60 maybe people eligible for newcomer? So, yeah. And you're like, well, no, I know technically I am in with a shot and I knew I had a good show. So I was like, I know I'm in with a shot. I don't think it'll necessarily happen. But for the main award, you're competing against, what, hundreds? Yeah. That it hadn't even crossed me stupid little tiny mind <laughs> that a working class lass doing a show about bloody going to work at Morrison's during COVID <laughs> and just putting her life back. I didn't think that, I knew the audiences were enjoying it. Didn't think it would be the kind of show that the industry went for. I, honestly, I, I felt like I was vibrating. I thought, oh my God, I'm having an out-of-body experience. The, the, the people doing the voiceover on the other end of the line going, Lauren, is everything okay? And I went, I think I've just been nominated! <laughs> and this was like the biggest moment of my life. And I was really humble, because obviously the advertising world probably doesn't really usually cross paths <laughs> with comedy. They just went, ah... Oh what for? <laughs> and it was a really nice moment to be like, don't you dare get ahead of yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yes, this is really, really cool for you. But remember, most people don't have a fucking idea what this is. Yeah. Don't you get ahead of yourself. Keep your feet on the ground sort of thing. But I was proper, like, I remember texting my boyfriend the next day and I was like, I think I'm having a heart attack. And he was like, it's <laughs> adrenaline. And I was like, oh my God, I've this... I must genuinely never have been excited properly in my life before. <laughs> Good news for him, right? Exactly. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. So I remember I went to the cinema because I couldn't bear being around comedians because people kept coming up to it. I genuinely thought I was having this weird out. And I think as well, I was going, I don't have to be a teacher anymore. So I'm really sorry if anyone from that school is in because I did. there was other reasons I decided not to do it, but they're not funny, so we'll not go into them. But uh, th <laughs> this was a big part of it. Um, and I remember I went to the cinema to see the new Jordan Peele film because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be around comedians. I was like, I just need to sit in the dark. and Couldn't tell you a thing that happens in that film. It was two and a half hours long and I paid no attention to it. But yeah, yeah it was amazing. I mean, it's, I mean, it's an amazing story. The whole thing's amazing. But what kind of really surprises me yeah. is that is that you you know because i've you know I've, I've seen you over the last few years and that you know and you've got a fantastic reputation and Thank doing you. really well <laughs> and i think you're absolutely fantastic stand-up so that you it's that someone like you could get to the point where you're thinking if this doesn't work this year yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna give up being a comedian exactly i mean that is that to me is kind of mind-blowing and it sort of shows where comedy is i think as well yeah I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people trying to do it Exactly. But I would have put you as, as one of the people who... Oh, it was scary was... because as well, like, and you'll know this, to make a living off the circuit, people go, oh, like 150 quid for a gig for 10 minutes work. And I'm like, yeah, but if your train costs 60 and your hotel costs 40, yeah. you're coming away with 50. And obviously, like, I'm at the point now where I can, like, pick and choose a bit more, but I thought relying on the circuit for an income is so precarious, so precarious. And even for those two years, things were coming back and then going again and then coming back and yeah. going again and gigs were getting cancelled at 24 hours notice and they're like, I'm really sorry, there's no cancellation fee. And I was like, my train's non-refundable, but that's okay, that's fine. And I just thought, is this 
wise, especially I was like, I'm cracking on, I'm nearly 30, the retirement home's calling. <laughs> and I just thought, is this, is this sustainable? I think that's what I was really, really worried about. I was like, is this sustainable? And that's why I thought, just chuck everything at this last show. Yeah. Well, it's ended up not being the last show, well, I am, uh, which I'm, I'm really glad about. I'm very glad as <laughs> really well. But, it, but, it, you know, it, but it, is, it is an industry, I suppose, that is... You know, you talk about these awards and they're looking for new people all the time. So yeah. even if you're one of the people, you know, you've been nominated twice, even if you're one of those people who's successful in being nominated, then the next year other people get nominated, other people get nominated. So, you know, exactly. so it's, you've got to keep your head above water. And so. that's why there's all this pressure. I'd be like, yeah. you have to do Edinburgh every year, do Edinburgh every year. And I'm like, I don't have to do shit. Like, <laughs> no. Accommodation is £4,000 in your soul. I am not going every year. Yeah. No, nah. And I'm quite headstrong in that sense as well, where... I think of, like, when I was starting, I was 18, and I feel like I didn't have, like, girls my age to look up to. There was no, like, lasses in their early 20s, like, around me doing comedy. So I always think of, like, the 18-year... Like, the next me, the girl who's 18 at uni and comes to see me and goes, hey, I want to do that. And I think if I buy into that model of going to Edinburgh every year, that says to her, oh, well, then you have to do Edinburgh every single year. God, how am I going to afford that? Oh, this isn't for me. So sometimes I think you have to be the one to book the trend or whatever and be like, no... I'm not going every year because you don't have to go every year. And if you don't want to do that, that's fine. Because I always think about that next raft of working class comics and how that looks to them. So very, yeah. Yeah, and you know, and I don't, you know, like when I started, you could go every year just about and you could just about afford to do it. But like, yeah, absolutely. That's that's why I've sort of stopped going to Edinburgh as well. (laughs) Because I'm more infuriated by thinking about me as an 18 year old not being able exactly. to afford to go, to either watch or do it, you know. And I just think if, if, I, if the 18-year-old me hadn't been able to go to Edinburgh to watch loads of shows, I think we yeah. used to pay two quid to go and see things, God. you know. I might be making that up. I used to but say but, it's, <laughs> but it was cheap and, you know, and you sneak into things, yeah. but also you were there uh, and you could afford to be there. I used to save up my tips from when I was a, a waitress. And when I lived in London, I lived with all comedians, which people are like, that must have been so fun. And I'm like, that was the most mentally ill house I have ever <laughs> lived in. And none of them will mind me saying that. But I remember, like, saving for my tips. and be, I, I trusted my housemates, but at the same time, I was like, you never know, like, what if they've got someone back and they, like, go in my room? So I had all these tips hidden in a sock, right? <laughs> and I used to come, every time I came back from Newcastle to the gig, I'd bring a sock full of money and just go to me, Dad, can you put this in the bank for it? My dad was like, why do you keep turning up with money in a sock? And I was like, it's for me dreams. <laughs> but, you know, I think you, your story does show, you know, I think like that, that's what I was saying about, like, in, in a way, lockdown being a good thing for you because you, you were very driven mm-hmm. and you are clearly very driven as well. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, and I, and I think even, even making that deal with yourself is the kind of thing that someone who's very driven would do because you're kind of saying, like, you're giving yourself an out, but equally yeah. going, I, I don't want to take that out, exactly. so I've got to make this good. So you are, you know, I think, like, to have that step back and, you know, and the, and the big change in life, so moving from London, moving away from this fucking calendar idiot uh, and uh, <laughs> getting stuff arriving in a van, uh, you know, I think it was, you know, it clearly was, like, a, a big thing for you. And, and the show is sort of about, you know, you accepting yourself for who you are, which is, I think, you know, yeah. you, you sort of, again, as, when, as you get older, you sort of forget what it's like in your 20s. Uh, and, I think it's, and I think it's still very different for, for women and, you know, as you say, for yeah. working class people as well. It's, uh, you know, but like it's, it, it does sort of make me sad. I've been, I've been reading Lou Sanders' book, which makes um. me, you know, it's about her being sort of, she's, she's sort of badly treated by guys mm-hmm. and I've been reading Sarah Pascoe's book which is a novel but is about a young woman who's you know 
doesn't yeah. doesn't know where she is in the world. This, this is why is I feel so... sorry for my boyfriend now, <laughs> because he's met me at a time in my life where I take not one single shit, yeah. not one shit, and I think especially. Like, that was what my, my last show was about. I was like, I lost the career. I lost my independence because I'd lived, you know, out of home for eight years and suddenly I'm back, like, living with parents and stuff and I'd lost my relationship. And the whole show was about sometimes if you've lost everything, that gives you the chance to sort of take stock and be like, well, who do I want to be? Because yeah. I've got no one else there. I've got, you know, comedy wasn't happening, so I had no agent being like, do this, do that. I didn't have a boyfriend being like, don't do this, don't do that. And I, allowed it, I built myself back up into the person exactly who I was meant to be and who I always wanted to be and who I should have been. And then I met my boyfriend. He's terrified of me. And that's exactly how it should be. He's like, sometimes I won't. Sometimes I wish I met you when you were a bit more anxious. And I'm like, sit down and shut up. And he's like, okay. Okay. Yeah, so you'll be his, your ex-boyfriend. So that's, that's what's... Well, he but did, is, he tried know. stand up, you know. <laughs> it was his New Year's resolution to try stand up. And I'm very much like... Go for it. Like, if you've got something you want to do, try it. It's always better to try it than to wish you'd done it. Like, I wanted to do stand-up, I tried it, and it snowballed into this. Like, I would hate to be sitting at this age being like, oh, I wish I'd given stand-up a go. So I said, well, right, I don't have a tour support in Leicester because I can't find anyone. Do you want to do it? I'm not paying you. Um, <laughs> but do you, do you want to do it? Five minutes. I'll go on and do, like, five minutes and set it up. I went, and you can do five minutes, and then you can take off your New Year's resolution of having tried stand-up. And he was like, oh, okay. So I came in, and I caught him practising with, like, a whisk as a microphone in the kitchen. <laughs> and he was like, if I go through my set, will you give us some advice? I was like, yeah, but I'll give you advice com- as if it was comedian to comedian. I'm not being soft on you just because you're my boyfriend. And he was like, okay, I ripped that poor boy apart, right? I ripped... <laughs> Oh, my God, I really, like, he sort of finished his joke, I say in air quotes, and he looked at it like a, like a Labrador waiting for a pet on the head, and I went, well, where's the punchline? And I just watched his soul crumble, and he was like, well, I just thought it was a funny anecdote. I was like, it's an anecdote. <laughs> wow. But I was like, if you, because that's what I said to him, I went, if you want to do this, I went, you're doing it properly. Yeah. You're doing it properly, like, go on. Um, but bless him, he did it. Yeah. He did it. Good. I've never seen him so scared. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but look, I think it's, you know, I think it's great because, I, you know, I think for all pe- young people, life is hard and all young people feel, you know, I talk about myself as well, you feel everyone else is sorted out and you're the only one who isn't sorted out. Yeah. But everyone feels like that. It's, I think the moment you realise, you know, that you've got to stay true to yourself and you've got to, you know, and that, that everyone's in the same boat. Exactly. And that, you know, and that confidence is so difficult to get. So it's such a precious thing. <laughs> it's a thing. And, I th- and I think as a stand-up, and what I love about about your stuff. I mean, I love dirty stuff, and you're you're oh. you're, you're in comedy. Call dispatches in comedy. <laughs> We've got another one, boys. With with full consent. <laughs> Between when I do my dirty stuff, I check with all the audience. They're happy to hear. In comedy, I love I love you know I love rude jokes. Yeah. I love, but but again, it's. I think it's a it's a more difficult thing for for women to to do that in the right way. I think in some ways because yeah. there's a judgment, you know, from certain people that I think is you know is wrong, mm-hmm. but there is a judgment. And your again, your stuff is so confident about talking about your sexual failures and the, yeah. you know the times you've been. You know, there's a there's a great routine about having this one night stand with the guy who. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, where I pretended I had chlamydia, but it was just psoriasis. <laughs> 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 you know, it's just great. To, it's very refreshing. And again, I think people you know the more people talk openly, yeah. 
uh, about those things and, and honestly about it. It's is you know it's. I mean, I presume it's, I, I presume you're adding a little layer of comedy onto yeah. some of it. But it but it's you know it is it's a it's a fantastic thing, and I think again it is a great. Uh, My rule with comedy when I'm writing is it always starts with truth. So obviously you embellish it and you tweak it or you like might mush two stories together. But I'm like everything to me starts with some form of truth because. I think that's what people like about me is like the authenticity. Yeah. So I think that's why I'm like, right, well, people like that I'm talking about me and my life and being honest and relatable. So that's what I've always tried to stay true to. Yeah. Um, which is why I found the whole like sort of like TikTok stuff really hard because I'm too anxious to do all that kind of stuff. Um, so I was like sort of, I will have to do it eventually and I'm just like, especially because of the kind of stand-up I do, I'm like, if I put that on the internet and someone's like, but that's depressing, I'm like, that's my life. <laughs> like, but I remember in the lockdown when loads of people were getting like TikTok famous, I was like, should I do it? Should I like, should I go on? Like, maybe I, maybe I could be TikTok famous. And I think it was, I did Montreal just for laughs. Yeah. And I think it must have been their TikTok page had already uploaded a clip of this. And when I looked, it was their most viewed clip at the time on the page. And I was like, stardom, here we come. <laughs> I'm going to be doing ads for teeth whitening in no time. Amazing. And because I've got that kind of like anxious brain, instead of just looking at the views and being like, wow, all these people have seen you do stand-up, I looked at the comments. And I have never posted a TikTok video since because all the comments were... There was about 10 comments and they were all really nasty and they were all lads. And I was just like, I get it. These are probably little incels. We've already decided I don't think women are funny. And rather than just not watching clips of women do stand-up, they're sitting watching clips of doing women, women doing stand-up and then going, this isn't funny, I don't like it. But what got is, was one of the lads said I had a massive chin, Right. <laughs> And as a woman, I think I've been self-conscious about every part of my body. <laughs> I'd never fucking considered the chin, right? Never. <laughs> Not to make that across my mind. And I put that in my show last year about, like, why I'm, like, quite, quite scared of the whole... Like I, like I say, I know I'll have to embrace it eventually, but I think especially when you're a woman, people are more likely as well to not just say they don't think you're funny, but to attack your exp- uh, appearance or whatever. And I made a comment in the show about this guy saying I had a big chin. And then I got a tweet that night of somebody being like, loved your show, it was amazing, I'm going to tell all my friends. And then there was, like, you know, a one of two, and I was like, oh, two two tweets of compliments thank you very much and then the second one just said P.S. your chin didn't even look that big I was like <laughs> I was like I wish that had just been a one part we didn't need the didn't need well, the addendum yeah it is it, you know that again it is that, that is a, a thing that's, that is I notice it when you know when I put any clips up mm-hmm. that uh, you know there's certain types of people who will get lots of negative comments. Yeah. And they're never white men, is what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> or very, very rarely white men. And, you know, and, and it's, if it's anyone else, mm-hmm. there will be a certain type of person. But you just realise, you know, and I think you are, you know, you basically realise it there, that anyone who's going to the trouble to comment on something they exactly. don't like has big problems, yeah. right? There's no, you know, to the... This is what always baffles well, let's do me. This. I'm like, why let's don't do you this just as a clip, and then if you're it, that guy, yeah. if you're that guy who's going to put on this, I don't like this. Exactly. Think about yourself and why you're doing this. You don't need to go. Oh, I don't like this one. Yeah. We don't care. I've only it's ever not for, This one wasn't for you. I've Fuck only off. Ever back once. <laughs> it was when I did Melbourne comedy. So this was like pre TikTok PTT days, um, and it was um, I did Melbourne Comedy Festival, and I did this yeah. thing called Comedy Up Late. Um, 
And I remember being really sad because there was no hair and makeup. And I was like, but I am a goblin who doesn't know how to do that herself. And I was really jet lagged as well. And I remember waking up, I think it filmed at three and I had to be there at half two. And I think I woke up really jet lagged at quarter past two. And I was like, shit, oh no. So I like quickly got ready, like slapped some stuff on my face, like ran to where it was filming. And I, I felt really like sort of like anxious that I was. Because as well at this point, I hadn't done... TV on I haven't done really much TV um in the UK but at this point I'd done none and suddenly I was doing TV in like Australia yeah. and I was like oh my god like I really want this to go well I was really nervous and then I hadn't realized they uploaded all the clips to YouTube afterwards I was the first one to get subtitled which I was like thank you <laughs> very much <laughs> the f- not the first clip to be uploaded but the first fucking one to be subtitled <laughs> And I remember, like, again, Curiosity, this was, like, 2018. So I was, like, young and something. Curiosity got the better of us a bit. And I looked at the comments, and somebody was, like, no, typical, another female comedian making a joke about a vagina. And I thought, I, I don't think I mentioned my fanny once. I really... <laughs> I, I genuinely don't really tend to talk about it. Like, I just... I leave her be. Like, no, she doesn't need to be met. And I thought, eh. So I, I hate watching myself back, but I thought, I'm watching that clip back. So I watched it back. It was a six-minute clip, and I had a sequined skirt on. And basically what I'd done, it was a really offhand comment that I used to sometimes make, and I was obviously done it on the day of recording. And I was like, I think it was something like, oh, no, I'm wearing this skirt, like my fanny looks like a disco ball or something. Very, okay. Something like really offhand, like a 10-second comment. And I thought, I'm not having that. I am not having that. No, I'd probably had a wine, probably. And I think I commented back to this person. We say person. We know it was definitely a lad. I commented back and I was like, I'm really sorry that I made a 10-second reference in a six-minute clip to a body part that half the population possess. I assume the reason you're so sad is it reminds you of how long it's been since you last fucking saw one. (laughs) (laughs) And just (laughs) left it at that. And I was just like, oh, but I see, like, some of my friends on TikTok. And, like, I think it takes a real skill to just be able to not... But I know I'd either get too upset about it or I'd spend all my time just being like, and another thing about your mother. Um, so I think, it's just, I think it's just not for me. <laughs> well, you know, you don't have to read the comments, but, it, you know, it, it does... I, I sometimes wade into yeah. stuff. I mean, I kind of like doing it because I want to get to the psychological reason they're doing it. And I just want to get them to get to the psychological exactly. reason why they're doing it. And they will never, you know, very occasionally, someone's just being really rude to you, and I'm going, you know, well, when you're ready to talk about this, come back to me, I'm very happily, yeah. I'll happily chat with you. Did you ever see the hate mail I got? No. That I tweeted. Oh, that was funny. Um, <laughs> this, was, this was during COVID. People, the fucking gods really came for me during COVID. I got a message through my website, which I always forget that I've even got, to be honest. I never put anything on there. Um, but I got a message through my website, and I assumed it was someone who must have heard us on a podcast because they were, it was, they were called Steffi or something, which I obviously now know wasn't the real name, and they'd not put an email in, so like obviously it wasn't like traced to anyone. And they were like, you're whinging because you've lost a few gigs and been dumped by your boyfriend, grow up, pathetic, blah, 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 blah. Like just having a... Pro- and everything they mentioned, I was like, you've either seen me on a Zoom gig or heard me on a podcast because it's all the kind of stuff I talk about when we stand up. So I wrote this big email to them, and I, oh, they called us a stuck-up little bitch as well. I was like... No, thank you. Um, so I emailed them back, like, point by point, And I was just like, are you okay? Sounds like you're a bit angry, but let's talk through this one at a time. Um, and then, like, the point about being stuck up, I was like, I assure you I'm not stuck up. I've asked my butler three times, and he's told me, like, I'm definitely, definitely not. And I just, like, point by point, sent the email, and that's when it bounced back, and I realised, obviously, the email they put was false. So I thought... 
I'm not going to lie. Like, obviously, I knew it was just a little troll, and I was trying to laugh it off, but there is a little bit of you that gets hurt. I was yeah. like, someone hates me that much. They've taken the time out of their day. Go on my website and just send us this shit, this shit. So I screenshotted um, the email part by part and put it up on Twitter just because I thought, I'll get a laugh out of this. And like, oh, because as well, they've done it on a Sunday. And I was like, Steffi, on, a, on the Lord's Day, come on, calm down. <laughs> So I put it up and it got a bit of traction on Twitter and, like, it made us feel better because I was like, everybody else is like, yeah, this is just a troll. Oh, Steffi saw it. <laughs> Steffi saw it. And I got another email being like, hey, bitch. So straight away, that's, I was like, this is not a woman. Yeah. This is not a... Just the tone and the word. I was like, this is clearly, again, some lad. They claimed they'd stumbled upon my website and that's how they... Found. I was like, Nate, they said they weren't from the UK. I was like, you're telling me someone from somewhere else in the world has stumbled upon the website of a random UK comedian and decided... I was like, no way, because that doesn't also answer how you know all this stuff about it. So they're like, and I don't even have Twitter, but I knew you would tweet about this, so I kept an eye out and sure if you did. So I was like, this is one of them. Someone's hate-following me. Yeah. Someone, one of you, one of yours is hate-following me. And the proper came back it is. Um, and I was just like, I'm not answering back because this is obviously what they want. And it's clearly like some deranged man who might kill us or whatever. So I just um, put another tweet and I was like, by the way, like all goodwill is gone. And no, this isn't someone who's upset or angry, lashing out. This is just a little troll. P.S. I've got, bet you've got burger nips. Um, and then I just, <laughs> and then I just left it at that. But I was like, oh, it's the only time it's ever happened. But I was like, imagine, yeah, imagine hating me that much. But it's you know, people lash out because they yeah. they're, they're hurting and they just want to hurt someone else, and exactly. that's all it is. So you realise that, and you're right that they, you know, some of them get off on even just giving that, even even for a second, yeah. giving you a bit of pain or making you think about them. Exactly. So you can't really exactly. Once win. I knew it wasn't just somebody being a bit like, hey, once I knew it was like a genuine just troll, I was yeah. like, ah, get back your dungeon, man. I'm not having you. <laughs> Crawl no. back to Borough. Look, <laughs> <laughs> like it's a, t- a horrible place to live if we can't slag off women from that. <laughs> then what pleasure is there being from Middlesbrough? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Uh, let's ask you an emergency <laughs> question. Uh, we'll go. We'll go random in the emergency questions book. Um, uh, that, yeah, the one, that one's too. That one's too far away. Oh, I don't know if I've asked you this one. This is what's this what's come up. I don't think I've asked this before. If you had to do a human centipede with two other people, yeah, yeah. If you had to, you're in the middle. Oh, oh I'm in the middle. Yeah. Oh. That's a, that's a, you know that can be all right. I was going to uh, say that's the bum end of the deal, but it's the bum and mouth end of the deal. It is. That's not great. Uh, who would you like? You can choose who's in front of you and who's behind you, though. So who I'm would trying you, to think if I know. Is there anyone like fam- famously doesn't have a bumhole? <laughs> you know what I mean. You know, I like, mean, you know, I like guess, Hitler only uh, had one ball. I guess, uh, yeah. Does anyone not have a bumhole? I guess people with colostomy bags. There's, uh, no one has right. come up with this. I think uh, uh, surely someone a, a must have a bumhole. A non-functioning. Oh yeah, or just a not functioning. Non-functioning bowel. I didn't anus. Think about that point. Yeah. yeah. And then behind has got to be an enemy. Got to be an enemy. Yeah. Oh, but then how am I going to shit in their mouth? Well, you, uh, yeah, you won't eat. Yeah, but you, won't be, you won't get any nutrients. Mm. I mean, you weren't getting many, to be fair, yeah. from the shit of someone else. But uh, they, you know, they'll get. Uh, well, they, you know, it doesn't have to be your enemy anymore because you probably they'll just get the poo you had in your tummy before you. Uh, That's true. So maybe if I just have like one, one massive, yeah. like jealous curry. Yeah. Just. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, he was like, he was like my worst enemy. Oh, it would be. I was walking the dog the other day. <laughs> And this woman had, like, a little kid walking past. And my dog didn't go near her or anything. They had headphones in, but often I have headphones in but no music on so that people will think I can't hear them, but I can because yeah. I'm a sadist and like to know everything at all times. <laughs> and this woman, like, pulled her little boy away and went, stay away from that rat! Oh. So, and I don't know if she meant me or the dog, but yeah. either way, either way. And so anyone who calls my dog a rat, sorry, curry yeah. shit in your mouth straight okay. away. That's good. I'm glad, that yeah. you, I'm glad you're not holding on to these things. Uh, it's... Uh... <laughs> What I liked about that was that for a while I didn't know, is it going to be the dog? Is it going to be the child? Is it going to be the woman? We don't know. It was like a little whodunit of who is the, who's going to be the one who ends up attached to your anus. And it, luckily, I think the woman was the best. I mean, but no one suggested an animal. You could have a dog attached I to your I love my anus. dog, but not that no. much. No. No. He would love to be up my bum hole, I'm sure. <laughs> if there's one thing that dog loves, it's sniffing ass. Yeah, but, so um, it would be, it would be no. a kindness. It would be a beautiful kindness <laughs> to a dog. <laughs> Fucking hell. Right, um... <laughs> uh, you know, it's my fault. I asked the question. I don't know why I'm, don't know why I'm getting upset. But well done, Lauren. <laughs> a good answer. Um, so look, uh, let's uh, we'll talk about. Well, because you were talking about anxiety, you did do the podcast for Calm, and you've run. Yeah. Uh, you run the Get Great North Three Run. Three Great North Runs for Calm. Yeah. yeah. So I I started. I got to do a podcast with him. There's a great guy called Aaron Gillies, and he was technically Ron on Twitter. So like back in the day when you'd have people who we know were like almost like Twitter famous. Yeah. And I remember like he followed me on Twitter, and I was like technically Ron's just followed me on Twitter. <laughs> um, and then we became friends. And then he also worked um, as like an ambassador for Calm. And he was like, I've been approached to start a podcast. I would really like to do it, but I deliberately don't want to do it with another man. He was like, I think there's a lot of like podcasts that are two male horse. Yeah. I want to get someone young and I want to get... And I really respected him for that, that he'd like put that level of thought into yeah. me, like what voice would balance mine out. So me and him did, I think, two series of that and I loved it, right? Proper loved it. I've never done it. It's still at this day probably one of the best jobs I've ever had because this is at a time as well when I had really bad anxiety but felt really weird talking about it. I was like, everyone's going to think I'm soft or whatever or everyone's going to think I'm stupid. And every week these comedians would come in 
And I realised that, like, how I felt was how a lot of people feel, and it made us yeah. feel a lot more normal. It got us talking about it. I loved it. And then that's how I developed quite a nice relationship with Calm. And I was like, I'm going to make sure... Like, inadvertently, they helped me so much. Because all, all they did was, like, give me a job, co-hosting their podcast. But it, like, unlocked so much in my brain. And I was like, I'm now eternally grateful to them. What am I going to do? And I was like, I'll run the Great North Run for them. In hindsight, terrible idea, because it's really hard. But... <laughs> Like, so I think the, fir- the first year was meant to be 2020, um, but obviously that got rolled over at 2021. So I raised, I think, about three grand for them Thank that year because it was like two years' worth. And then I did it again last year in my bucket money in Edinburgh. So I was at the Monkey Barrel where you can either pay with a ticket or pay like money in a bucket. So I gave a grand from my bucket to Calm and then raised a grand. So I've made five. And then this year I made just under a grand so I've yeah. made, made like six grand for them in the last three years and I just think like I know I'm not famous and I know I'm not but I've got like a little platform and I always think even if you've got a little platform you should try and do your best with it and I'm like if I can raise a bit of money to yeah. like make other people's life hopefully a bit nicer as well like I think it's a really nice thing to do well and it's the awareness of the thing and I think it's a, it's terrific you know you are obviously getting so much more sorted out yeah, than, than yeah. you were which you know as a comedian might not always be the best thing but I think <laughs> it is I think in your case it seems to be making oh, you an even better comedian as well which is terrific so you know that's a great advert for, for the for the charity as well but as well as doing all the podcasts yeah. as well so you know but I think it is people understanding um, which I think comedians sort of do understand the comedians do talk about their problems and yeah. stuff but maybe sometimes not in the most helpful way to themselves exactly. as well exactly I think comedy is really good and this is how I've been brought up as well this is another thing I think about North East mentality is you deal with things and get through things by laughing at them and obviously there's a fine line between just like ignoring things and being like ha 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 everything's fine <laughs> while you're like shitting blood or whatever's wrong with you I don't know but like I always think like if I can try and find the light in things. Like, even when my, my nana died, when I was, like, 18 or 19 or something, and my sister was due to get married, and I remember my ma came to get us from Boots. I worked at the Boots by Monument. We're sitting in the car, me and my sister, my mum and her brother, and there's this really awkward tension. And then my ma just went, I guess there's a spare meal at the wedding now. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, dipsies, please. Yes, please. But we've always been a family who, I think, looks for the light to help you through dark and I think I think that's why I love comedy so much and I know that some people get quite precious and protective about comedy and be like it should just be jokes bang 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 jokes but the comedy I like to watch and the comedy I like to do is comedy that has a bit of heart to it because then I'm like then you can talk about spikier things or harder things but make them accessible and relatable and make them funny and I I think that's a real good thing to do as well I love seeing comedy where you laugh but you come out of it and you think oh, I really took something from that. Yeah. Like, I, lo- I don't yeah. know if you saw Janine Haruni's show in Edinburgh mm. this year. Amazing. I'll not spoil it, but I came out with that and I was like, I'm so pleased she did that show. Right. And I'd, I'd love to be that kind of people comedian, comedian where people come out and be my show and go, I'm so pleased she did that show. Yeah, well, I'm so sure. I, I think you are already, but, but yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, anything that's... a, a a, a, a terrible thing to go through. That's, you know, you don't want to... You need laughter to, to exactly. get, you know, and, it, and it's not, you know, that's not insulting to anyone if, if, if someone makes a joke like that. Yeah. It's sort of, this is our way through. Well, you, need, you need laughter, you need to look at the funny side of, of everything you're going and through. it's definitely getting passed on to the next generation because yeah. even when I started going out with my, my now boyfriend, um, my nephew was about... Oh, eight or nine at the time yeah. my mum was like Auntie Lauren's got a new boyfriend and he just went is that really a good idea with her track record and I was like <laughs> for God's sake nine and he's already got the, got the smarts 
he texted me the other day and said, Auntie Lauren, um, I would like to go on Celebrity Hunted with you. And I was like, okay, well, one problem there, I'm not a celebrity, but um, okay. And I was like, right, well, if we go, why do you want to go on Celebrity Hunted with me? He was like, you have a lot of friends, you know a lot of people. And I was like, yeah, but that could be a bad thing. People could drop us in it. He went, no, they won't because we will be in the motorhome. And I was like, what motorhome? Where's he got a motorhome from? Yeah. But yeah, so if I go on Celebrity Hunted... I'll be in a motor home. With a child. With a, with a child, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be a great episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. It's fantastic. Um, I, I haven't uh, seen Council House uh, Swap, but you're the narrator. Oh, I got hate for that as well. Did you? Right, so I do a lot of voiceovers. I do Mecca Bingo. Um, I do there's one like a documentary about nurses right. on ITV2 which I love because I love like programs like that a bit of gore and stuff and I just get to watch that and then occasionally read something it's great uh, I did one for Bumble which was really fun because that was just after I'd been dumped I'm doing this voiceover like do you want to be loved <laughs> I was doing a voiceover for Bumble while being ghosted by boys on Bumble and I was like you're up shit but, um, <laughs> Yeah, I got asked to do one for this programme called Council House Swap where people, like, try and swap council houses. And they said, you know, we want someone who is, like, you know, quite light lighthearted. I didn't write the script as well. I didn't write the script. I just, that's my job. I just read the script. Um, and they, were, like, they deliberately said they wanted it to be quite lighthearted and stuff and, like, a bit tongue-in-cheek, a bit... It's that whole style of voiceover at the minute, isn't it? Where a bit like the come down with me thing, yeah. you know, where they'll cook something and you'll be like, oh... That looks like shit, or I don't know, whatever. <laughs> but um, some woman tweeted me, um, and again, I didn't respond to it, I didn't rise to it. I instead waited to tell the story on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she found me, so what she'd obviously done is hated my voice that much. She must have paused the programme, gone to the credits, found out who was the voiceover, searched for me on Twitter, found me on Twitter, and then she tweeted me to be like, Atler and Patterson, um, you are ruining Council House Swap. <laughs> Don't know how you got this job. Your accent is vile. Wow. Can't understand wow. what you're saying. Has to have the subtitles on. Vile. Two vials. Double vile, apparently. <laughs> and luckily, she sent me this when I was in my confident girl era. Yeah. So if she'd sent me that seven years ago, I would have cried and been like, I guess I need elocution lessons. But I read that. And I clicked on her profile as well. Profile was a sunshine. Not a fucking sunshine, in my opinion. <laughs> no. Rain cloud, more likely. But I saw um, she was from London. And I know not everyone from London is middle class. I know there's a real... But straight away, I just thought, that's snobbery. Yeah. That is okay. classism and that is snobbery. That is one of these people who they'll hear this accent and go, oh, sorry, I can't understand you. Oh, sorry. Could you just say that again one more time? Oh, but you sing every word of the proclaimers when it comes on, so you can catch them, no bother. Pick and choose, love, pick and choose. And I hate it because it is just drenched in snobbery and elitism and, like, a re I'm really, like... As someone who was made to feel a bit shit about our accent in London quite a lot of the time. Again, the voiceovers have been great for me because it's a reminder that, no, people like this accent. Yeah. You have got a nice accent. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And I just read it and I was like, this is some snob who looks down on, on her nose at anyone from the North. She's probably never been to the North. Thinks this accent is stupid and scummy. I actually wrote kind of a whole routine about this right. for like the show a whole joke on it. Um, and... Well, I didn't make it about the voiceover, but I used that experience to, like, write this bit, being very sort of, like, defensive about working-class accents and northern accents. So I just ignored her. I was like, I'm not even going to rise to it. At first, I was going to do the whole kill them with kindness thing, but then I was like, nah, not even rising. But then someone else tweeted her being like, did you have to, like, tag her in this? Was that, that really necessary? And I was like, going to like that, even though I didn't like. Thank you very much. But 
Yeah, I love doing voiceovers. Yeah, it's well, great. look, I mean, you're, you're getting the voiceover because of your voice. I, <laughs> so I will not rest until the, I am the voice of everything, right? <laughs> I will not rest. My mum was watching the nurses' programme on ITV the other night, and then during the ad break, I was the voice for one of the adverts. So that's quite good. <laughs> that's pretty yeah. good. Well, we'll make that an emergency question. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a good emergency question. Oh, I've, I've revived an emergency question that uh, confuses some people. Let's see if it confuses you. Mainly the Irish get confused by this question for some reason. Who is the most famous person you've ever been in a lift with that you didn't get into the lift with? Oh. See, she understands that, right? Do you understand that? And all Irish people don't understand. Yeah. And that's not, not being racist. <laughs> I've just had four Irish guests who just go, what? I, don't, I, don't, I didn't get in the lift. You, uh, lift. They were in the lift or they got into the lift. I can't think. I don't think I've got anyone. No. Nah. Ant and Deck. I wish. Uh, right, they follow me on... Ant and Deck. Greg's and Fender, all yeah. followers on Twitter, Damn. right? <laughs> Which I think makes me the queen of the Northeast, to be honest. I've got the holy trifecta. Um, I did, uh, don't worry, I've got your back. I did once tweet Greg's being like, why have you stopped ham and peas pudding stotties? And uh, yeah. they did not, but if you want, I'll get back on it and I'll really try and, because I'm, I'm really pissed off about that. I'm not happy. If anyone can make it happen, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I can try. Yes, you. But, um... I've not. No, no, I've... you've never been a lift for someone famous. I don't think I have. Nah. Oh, My best quote when I was younger, like before, like, you know, you have proper quotes to use, was I did the BBC New Comedy Award and Clive Anderson was one of the judges yeah. and he called me psychologically devious. Right. And I saw that as a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the only quote for years was just Clive Anderson, psychologically devious. And then only when I got a bit older and started getting proper quotes, I was like, that doesn't make you look good. <laughs> you shouldn't be using this as a quote. Right, I'll ask. Look, we'll, go to, uh, we'll go to the original emergency questions book nice yeah this is a little pocket version um let's see what i'm gonna ask you i have asked you lots of uh i think i've asked you that one before um i don't think i've asked you this um this is this will make people happy and that's why i'm going to ask you this question would you rather have a hand made out of hand a ham or an armpit that dispenses sun cream didn't make them as happy as i thought it would make them to be honest Yeah. The people of Newcastle are blasé about the does, classic, the classic emergency. Does the ham hand like regenerate? Yep. Or ham hands? Yeah, hundred percent. You're ham about hands? the only person who's ever chosen a ham. Hand. Imagine coming back from a night out, chippies closed, and you're like, "It's fine, I've got ham hands." Yeah. <laughs> if you eat the whole thing, it's going to take a month to grow back. But if you nibble it, it'll oh, grow, it'll grow be, back. I would, I would. Yeah. Lo- my dog would love it if I had ham hands. Yeah. <laughs> he would love it. I, I would quite like to have ham. Do I get to pick? The ham? Yeah, I'll let you pick the ham. I think what I'd ham have, would you have? Right, I think I'd be a little bit bougie and I think I'd have prosciutto hands. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a yeah. good call. Yeah, I've, I agree I've with gone that. up a class bracket. <laughs> <laughs> You've changed. Did you get it on offer on in Morrison's? Oh, absolutely. Your yeah. Did it, if there was stuff left over at the end of the week, could you take could you take that stuff home if the, it was past its sell by date? Could you have that? For free? I used to like keep stuff in the cafe. Right. Like if I found a good thing, because I worked in the cafe for a bit as well, and I was not food trained, so that's um, quite worrying. Um, and I used to, if I saw something reduced that I liked, I once got a mop and just hid it in the cupboard, and then I would go buy it at the end of me. So when everyone's like, "Where's all the good bargains in the cupboard in the cafe?" That's <laughs> yeah. where they are. Guys, okay, that's if you were still working for them, you'd be sacked now. So oh, that, would, that was that was quite a revelation. Okay, we'll do. Yeah, look, we've, we've done so long already. It's this is whizzing by. Flying by. It's really, really fantastic. It's so lovely to see you. And like, it's you know, I'm, I am a massive fan. So thank you for doing this uh, podcast. Um, uh, which is worse, bestiality or necrophilia? Um, 
bestiality because they'll remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, uh, They're sentient. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you have to choose, if you again, have to, I'm thinking of my dog. Yeah. My, not, my dog's not going to be here for a long time, and I no. don't want a good chunk of his memories to be taken up with the time he was bummed. <laughs> like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It's my own fault for us. I asked the question again. I just asked the question. Then I'm offended by the answer. And then I'm just trying to think about it. I mean, it's a human being, though, isn't it? But I felt when I was... I was under anaesthetic yeah. when, I, when I had my operation. I thought you were going to say when you did necrophilia. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're under anaesthetic, that's fine. But then you're essentially dead, right? And when I woke up from, from, the, uh, from the operation, I was wearing stockings and a jockstrap that I was not wearing before I went oh. under there. So I reckon they bummed me during the... <laughs> during the I think, you know, they saved my life. Give them, you know, they've, they've got to... Yeah. When someone attractive comes in, if they're not going to remember it, they should be allowed. That's what I'm saying. They don't pay them enough, do they? They don't pay them enough. I've got Some people of... disagree over there, don't they? I don't think... If I say they should be allowed to bum me in stockings and a jockstrap, that's... Do you ever have those moments as well where you're like, you have to rein the comedian in <laughs> and forget that not everybody's got the same sense of humour for you because I went for an eye test not long ago and it was like a different optician and I sat down and you know when they do the thing where they're like is it okay if I turn the lights off and I went oh buy me dinner first and he just went that's not appropriate <laughs> and I was so embarrassed because I think it is just like when you do stand-up, you're used to having that quite quick yeah, yeah. brain, aren't you? Like, my boyfriend the other day was like, can you just stop being funny? I was like, I'm sorry, darling, I can't. I really can't. It's, <laughs> it is a blessing and a curse at the same time. But then the worst thing about that was, obviously, then they get right in your face, don't yeah, they? Yeah. So there was this weird tension between us. And he was, like, just right in my face, looking into my eyeballs. And I was like, the temptation just to go on your forehead. <laughs> so, so much. But I was like, no. No. I hate when people don't have the same sense of humour as me. Uh, well, really you know. It stresses me out. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the problem with the world, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. My favourite, <laughs> when I was a waitress, I was so good at getting tips when I was a waitress, right? So good. Um, and I remember I would always try and get, like, the table of, like, lads, like my age or young lads, because you could obviously be a bit flirty with them. And my go-to line, every time that would always get a tip... Um, would be when they were paying on card, I'd be like, yeah, if you're just paying on card, you just pop that and you can pop the tip in as well. And they'd always be like, oh, pop the tip in. And I'd be like, oh. And they'd always give us a fiver every single time. <laughs> every single... My, my actual love life was appallingly bad, but at least I could flirt my way to tips. Yeah, that's... It was great. <laughs> Very good. It's, you're, you're the problem here. <laughs> no, so the other... The other... <laughs> you're the whole reason the country's gone to the dogs. I don't like to victim blame, but... Yeah, uh, that is, <laughs> that's terrible. Right, uh, we're going to ask uh, another question. Um, ha- have you ever been infested? Oh, I got, I got nits as an adult, right? Wow. And I'd never, well, I've probably had them as a kid, but I don't remember. I think I caught them off someone at Soho Theatre. Really? Not to, not, not to blame, but I think it was an audience member, because, again, with me being quite, like, friendly and approachable, or that's how it seems, um, people often, like, come up with after shows and stuff, and I don't... I like chatting to people. I don't like when people sort of, like, 
give us a hug without asking and stuff. I'm like, oh, that like sends me into overload a bit. And I remember this, like, like loads of people were like hugging us after Soho Theatre and stuff. And I was like, well, people are just being nice, like whatever, just go for it. Whereas now I do have my boundaries a bit more. Yeah, so yeah. If someone hugged us, I'd probably like push them back or whatever. But anyway, I remember my head being really itchy like a few days later. But I've got psoriasis. I'm always itchy. Like I'm used to being itchy. Like I, I don't mind. But I remember my head was dead itchy. But then I was going to Australia going to Perth um, and I remember like my head was so itchy in Perth and I kept finding flies in my hair and I was like god these Australian flies love me like so much <laughs> and this is what I don't remember I used to have long hair like really long hair and then one day it just clicked on us I was like flies it's nits you've got head and i'd sat next to someone on a plane for like 20 hours or whatever and i was mortified i was so so mortified so i had to go to the chemist the next day to get like the knit stuff and sit with the shower cap on my head and i looked like a proper sad frog because it was bright green but my hair was so so long and they were like proper i don't know what aussie well i don't know if the i don't know if the if there were English headlights, but then they spawned more in Australia, I don't know what nationality that makes. No, I don't know. My headlights. I don't know what the legal issue is but, there. Oh, I was so embarrassed, like so... I think getting them is an adult, but I yeah. think I must have caught them. Often, often audience member getting like too close wow. or whatever. But it was bad. And then I remember I was doing like obviously a bit TV out there, but like a couple of months later, and knowing you're just like, imagine if there's just like one left. What if the hair lady finds like a knit and then I'll be her like anecdote when people are like, have you ever done someone proper gross as hair? And she'll be like, oh, this like proper sket once had head lice, but no, yeah. I was fine. But wow. yeah, I had so many so wow. ma- they loved my head so much. Yeah, who would have thought that question would be? So that, yeah. you know, I've never, never asked it before, and now I've got a really itchy head. But everyone yeah, has. Well, it really, does, doesn't it? And now I'm not. I'm worrying because I took a so photo bad. with you earlier, and exactly. I'm thinking, how, how close did my head but get? That's why uh, I don't have really long hair anymore because really. that traumatised us from how long it took God, to get yeah. rid of them. And I was, I was this close to being like, but I'll just shave my head. I'll I'd like to head. see that. Little I'd bit. like to see you with yeah. no uh, with no hair. You know I, I think you'll have like. quite a nice head. I think it would accentuate your chin. That's why yeah. I'm worried. <laughs> <laughs> I would just look like one massive chin. It depends on maybe you've got like a really pointy skull. It might take uh, take yeah. attention away from the. This is what I often <laughs> wonder. What you like? Because you don't know what your head's like, do you? Because no. your hair's on it. I shaved. Yeah. I had a number two when I, when I was a student. Um, <laughs> We're a much, we're a slightly classier podcast than that. <laughs> a number two hair thing. No, I, yeah. did, I did also defecate when I was a student <laughs> on one occasion. Um, and I've got a very big head and it doesn't look yeah. good. I've got a big old head. Big old, big I've got old the Irish second head. biggest biggest head in uh, showbiz. <laughs> uh, Alexi Sale has a bigger head than me, but I used to wear Alexi Sale's hats when I was on yeah. TV. They're, uh, they're the only hats that would fit me, the ones that had fitted Alexis. So, you know how, like, clowns have to paint, like, an egg? Yeah. <laughs> Yours is just, like, a massive, like, ostrich egg. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> it will be. so that's why I've grown a lot of hair. Yeah. I've gone the other way to you. I've got, grown more the hair. Headlights, that, they'll uh, get you. But let's both... Sh- after this, for, the, for a laugh, let's just shave, shave our heads. Yeah. After this, and that can be the photo. thing is, I think if I did do that, people would just be like, it's a very Lauren thing to do. <laughs> that's very, that, that sounds about right for her. It's a weird thing, because some women look fantastic with yeah. shaved heads. They I, really I do. don't think I've got enough cheekbones. Yeah, no. maybe. I don't, people who've got the proper, like, defined, like, like model cheekbone, I yeah. think I would just look like a, a bowling ball. Yeah. 
Yeah. You don't know until you've done it, though, Lauren. It no. might be. It might be the look. Maybe. It might be. And the Sinead O'Connor's no longer here. You, this could be. You could <laughs> move in. You could move into that. I, mean, I think there was more to Sinead O'Connor than just having <laughs> short hair. No offence. God, everyone went. <laughs> she had short hair. To move on. Um, look. We... <laughs> Uh, we can, we'll, we'll, I'm going to do one more emergency question. I like the randomness is good. Uh, let's see how it goes. Um, no. Uh, this is a bad page. Um, oh, look, oh, well, this, this is interesting because this this, I've been talking about this to Dan Schreiber. Uh, do you ever worry that you're a character in a computer game operated by some bored teenage deity or alien who's deliberately just making loads of shit happen to see what you'll do, like you're nothing more than an ant under a microscope and that soon he will be bored and have you killed in a ridiculous way? I do generally sometimes worry yeah. about living in a simulation. Yeah. You know, really. Like, I know we're not, but do you know... like we are. Them, like, Chances are we are. Them days where you just sort of lie in bed and don't get up and you're like, it's because no one's given me an instruction. Yeah. Like, I'm just a silly little video game character. <laughs> no one has explicitly told me what to do and now I don't know what to do. Yeah, it could be that. Yeah, and when I was learning to drive as well, I was like, this, I've got to be in a sim here. Someone's made this sim of girl who cannot drive <laughs> and I'm just stuck in an endless loop. My driving instructor was like, Romain, I mean, I have just crashed my car, so I, I am <laughs> not a good driver. Um, but my driving instructor was like, Romanian, ex-army, lovely guy, but obviously proper, like, tough. And when I started my driving lessons was when everything was kicking off, like, with Russia and Ukraine. Right. And he would often talk about it. And he said, like, he signed something when he left the army that he could get, like, called back to fight. And I was like, does that not scare you, though? Is that not, like, really frightening? Like, you've got family, you've got kids. And he was like, Lauren, I spend four hours every week in a car with you. Nothing can scare me anymore. <laughs> And I was like, fair point, yeah. fair point. You've been, you've been yeah. sent, you've been sent uh, you're like an angel, been sent down yeah. to help people get through their lives. Like, sometimes when my brain just doesn't work, I'm like, this yeah. has got to be someone messing with me here. Yeah. Got to be. I think it might be. But then, you know, I wouldn't yeah. say... If it, was, if it was a simulation, I wouldn't say that. I'd go, oh, no, That's no, it's true. not. It's not a simulation, Lauren. Definitely <laughs> not. She's nearly, she's nearly found out about it. Um, what have you got coming up? Is there anything exciting on the horizon? So I'm starting to write a new show for next year. Hopefully Edinburgh, maybe, if, yep. if I can find somewhere to stay and if they have me, which I then want to do, which I'll inevitably be doing here. So we're very much in the planning, the planning stages at the minute, but yeah. definitely cooking up cooking up a new show in the oven. I had to do that horrible thing you have to do as a comedian. A lot of comedians, the first festival they'll do when they're writing a new show is Leicester Comedy Festival because it's in February. But the deadline to submit for Leicester was Friday. Friday just gone. Right. So, you, so bear in mind as well, Edinburgh isn't till August. You have to, in September, write a blurb for a show that will probably not be performed for 11 months' time and you have no idea what that show is. So I was just like, two-time Edinburgh nominee, let's just get that in there. I do make my boyfriend call me two-time Edinburgh nominee. <laughs> Lauren Patterson. <laughs> he referred to me to one of his colleagues the other day. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm like, this is Lauren, like... um you know, she, she's really good. Like, she's been nominated for the Edinburgh Comedy Awards. And I was like, two times, actually. <laughs> two times. But then I just... I, I felt like I was advertising myself as a Fast and Furious film because I was getting <laughs> delirious not knowing what to write. I was just like, she's back with a brand-new show. Bigger, bolder, blonder. And now I worry that I'm just setting myself up for, like, a franchise that I yeah. can't continue. I mean, it, yeah. it is what it is. Is such a good title. 
for, yeah. you know, you've used it, unfortunately, but exactly. for, for that exact situation, it, it is what it is. It is what it's it fucking is. one well, genius we've, we've move. We've got a title for this one. Yeah, okay. it's, it's Big Girl Pants. Okay. Big Girl Pants. Yeah. And I'm thinking, do I make merch? Do I make Big Girl Pants for everybody? But then I've got to be inclusive, so I'll yeah. also have to make Big Boy Pants. Yeah. But then I don't know if that's weird. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I want to get on the merch train. Yeah, get on yeah. the merch. I get on the merch train. Talking of which, I will be at the back. There you go. Yeah. I've got no underwear. I've got no clothing at all. <laughs> um, look, uh, it's really fantastic to see you again. I'm glad things are going so well yeah. and you're looking happy because I'm very last happy. time I was a bit worried about you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's As I was not... sitting cross legged in my childhood bedroom, like, do you want to see some of my things? <laughs> <laughs> While wearing a high-vis jacket from Morrison's <laughs> and had clearly been visibly crying just before the Zoom. <laughs> but no, I'm really happy. Yeah. Like, I'm... I love... This is... Um, I was always meant to be in Newcastle. Like, yeah. I never wanted to be in London. I went there because I felt like I had to. And then I stayed because my boyfriend wanted to and my then-boyfriend wanted to. But I think I'm very much... Like I say, I'm wise now. I'm nearly 30 and I've realised the most important <laughs> person in your life should be you and your happiness. Yeah. And you do what makes you happy and you put yourself first. And that's why I'm quite badass bitch now. <laughs> Good, I'm glad you are. You are, and you, yeah. I think you always have been, but I'm glad you are even more now. You're a fantastic yeah. advert. I've leveled Newcastle, up. I have Whoever's playing is in the same, they've yeah. leveled me up. They've leveled you up. Yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, no, you're, you're brilliant. Uh, fantastic advert for Newcastle. Please give it up for the amazing Lauren Patterson, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I'll, I'll see you at the back. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Rahul with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Lauren Patterson. Scant regard, provide the music. I'm indebted to Chris Evans, not that one or that one, for all his hard work. Also to George Linkford and Pet Cliff and everyone at the Newcastle stand who are just the most amazing people and the most amazing venue. If you live in Newcastle, go and live in the stand. This is the Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFosterStripe.com production. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out. <laughs>